0: Hey everyone, welcome to Awareness with Ashley. My name is Ashley Stewart. I share a first-hand experience of what it's like living with idiopathic intracranial hypertension. You'll hear me call this IIH and migraines. I use my own experience to share what living with IIH and migraines is really like. Today I'm going to be getting into being introverted and how it affects my life with chronic illness. I think this is important not only in a perspective from talking about this particular part of having a chronic illness and whether you're more introverted or extroverted but when people hear that you're struggling or your story or whatever they happen to be listening to or that you're not really doing as much as what you used to because you physically can't, although they don't really understand that, you're gonna hear something very common that's often, well, if you only got out and seen friends more, if you only got out more, things would be so much better because loneliness is a huge part of having a chronic illness. It happens to those of us who are extremely introverted as well. I'm gonna get into all of this over the course of the video. Now, I apologize, my voice may be coming in and out today. I am actually getting over a bit, Of a cold right now. I wasn't sure whether I would actually be even able to do this because I do have a lot of issues right now with coughing and I do have a lot of issues with my voice, especially after a certain period of time of talking. This might be kind of a bit of a surprising topic to cover, but. Being authentically true to who you are is, I think, very important. It's something that I'm focusing on a lot lately. In general, living with a chronic illness and being authentic to who you are is really, really important because it allows you to obtain the ability to function at the best level that you can. Now, I think this applies to both introverts and extroverts. So for those of you who don't know, and I think that... The term introversion and extroversion is not really well understood in what they actually are. So, an introvert is someone who loses energy with social interaction. This isn't just at a party, this isn't just when out in public, this is could be with a group of people that they know very well but is more than a handful and it just depletes our energy. Being an introvert, though, you can actually have a very, very good and I would say almost energetic gaining time if you're one-on-one or with like only a couple people at a time. That being said, an extrovert is the pretty much the direct opposite. Now, most of us tend to fall a little bit on a spectrum with this. I actually tend to be quite far towards the introvert side. I think when I did a personality test on this, I think my extroversion was like between 11 and 20%. So that means that out of so many people that you would take, you'd only find, let's say out of 100, you'd only find like 11 or 12 people that are more introverted than I am. When you're living with a chronic illness, this becomes really, really important in particular when you're trying to manage your energy levels because not only are you depleting your energy physically with a chronic illness, but also socially as well. It not only affects how you manage your energy, which is how fast your battery drains that's now not functioning properly and how much it takes to recover, but it's also affecting your ability to really go beyond and push those limits. And like I said in previous videos, but when it comes to this particular topic, it's really important because you're gonna hear that oh, if you just got out more. Actually, not only is this not true because of the way I am personality-wise, but it's not gonna apply because now you're also dealing with the physical depletion. I actually put this in here that I'm not really gonna be able to talk much about how an extrovert might feel. The only thing I can... Possibly feel into with this is, I honestly can't imagine being extroverted with an illness like I.I.H. or chronic migraines. I think most would tend to retreat to their inner world when sick. But as far as how it affects an extrovert in a prolonged way, it's not something I can imagine because, for me, I tend to want to be alone as it is. Like whether I'm healthy or not, it's just the way I am. But For an extrovert, you'd crave that social interaction and the fact that you're physically not able to do that. It's hard for me to put myself into those shoes because I don't have that personality. So I naturally tend to retreat into my inner world, essentially, when I'm dealing with not only rough times, but also during good times too. And it's because particularly during good times, I'm going to be doing a lot more social interaction than when I'm not feeling well. This is gets into a common phrase that we hear all of the time, which is, oh, if you just got out more and seen your friends or seen people more often, you would be so much better and feeling so much better and to a point I kind of agree with this like it's there's good intentions behind this piece of advice however when you're an introvert this isn't going to apply even under normal circumstances so like yeah it would be nice maybe to get together with a friend or two but the reality is that if I have a friend that is that close where we're spending one-on-one time together generally probably going to be probably telling them about what's going on and probably getting together with that person is something that I'm going to be doing naturally because it's going to be a way of kind of venting out frustrations people often say oh if you just got out more you would feel better this actually is untrue on two levels for me One being that I'm very introverted. My ideal time, especially if I haven't had much time alone, is just that, to be alone. I actually need this time to recharge or I'm going to be looking at a red line on my battery. Now, getting into this battery example here, this is what I want to get into. So, you've got a battery and it starts at 100% and it slowly drains over time, but The difference is, is that when you have a chronic illness, that battery drains really, really fast physically, but it also, you don't reach that 100% when you recharge or rest or sleep or whatever happens to be the case. You generally tend to maybe only get to 75, 80%. And this is also another example of how I can talk about Oh, I'm about 80-85% of what I used to be. This also applies to the battery in that particular case as well. So when you're dealing with your battery draining, I may start out at the 80% mark and that slowly drops down to zero. Actually, sometimes it's not so slowly. It depends on what's going on. If I'm just having a day where I'm at home and can kind of manage my day of how quickly things are coming at me or how quickly things are happening, the battery drain is generally pretty normal compared to what it used to be. But let's say I have a really, really busy day at work, again, just getting into this, of it can be draining extremely, extremely fast. I think that's really, really important to mention and talk about because not only does your battery not get up to 100% but it's draining really fast. Now I don't have my phone on me because I'm actually using it as my camera right now but think of it as a phone that is almost to the point where it's needing to upgrade. So your phone, although it's claims that it charges up to 100%, it like depletes really, really quickly, or it may not charge up to a full 100%. That's exactly what it's like living with a chronic illness. You essentially only make it up to a certain level of battery percentage. And let's say you do happen to make it up to the full potential, it's gonna drain that much faster because you got less to work with. And I've talked about this example many times before, and I think I even did a video on it. So that holds true. And what I want to say with particularly this analogy but it I think it works really really well because everybody tends to have devices that are rechargeable these days most of us are heavily dependent on one particular device our phone so we can really understand and because it's a day-to-day thing where you have to charge just like yourself I think people really get this example really really well the second one is that being that my battery is already lower and drains faster because of having an underlying condition This is actually still the case. So this is not something that I've completely resolved. It's just something I've gotten used to over time. I compensate for it. And I compensate for this in many ways. I go to bed every single night at the exact same time. Some nights I do tend to stay up later. Like let's say I'm off the next day or whatever. I might stay up a little bit later. But honestly, I'm honestly pretty still strict with this. Like I'm very, very strict with it. And I get up. No later than a certain time either. So even if I do go to bed a little later, I'm not sleeping as long so that I can manage to still go to bed at the time I need to again. So this is one way it manages with a very, very strict sleep routine and just a very strict routine in general. Another way I manage it is to kind of have a general list in my head every day of all the things I need to do and prioritize the most important. In the case of a work day, that would be my shift. In the case of a day off, it's often something to do with my creative works, whether it be doing a live stream, whether it be getting housework done. All of that is really important. And the thing is, is you're not able to do everything that you absolutely want to do in a day. You do have to prioritize. And I think the best example of this actually is something called the spoon theory. Now, I've actually done a full video on this, so I suggest that you go and check that video out because I actually give visual examples of it. For those of you who are watching right now, take something that is in finite value, whether it be a spoon, whether it be coins, whatever. And let's say you're given 12 spoons for your day and each activity costs a certain amount of spoons. And the reason why I give you so little is because that's the reality of living with a chronic illness. You have to make it so that you prioritize the most important things to you in that particular day. And so that means some things do tend to suffer. And it may be that you have to work slowly over time to get the other things done that you want to do. Because of energy being such a finite thing in this particular situation with chronic illness, your time and your energy are extremely valuable commodities. If you, I'm going to give you a piece of advice right now. If you find that Someone is draining your battery or manipulating your resources in any way. This might just be the personality that I am, but it's time to cut them off. Getting into this in the longer term, when I wasn't able to get out except for on very rare occasions, this did start affecting my mood and it got really frustrating because we'd only do some things a very, very limited amount of times in a a month. And there would be times where I would want to be able to do something or, you know, even just go out for a meal with family was like one of these examples. And I would realize later in the day that I just can't do this. I just, it's not there. I'm not feeling well enough. So it did start affecting my mood because at that time I wasn't seeing anyone except for the people in the house And so think of how you guys felt during lockdown or during the COVID-19 pandemic in like March, April of 2020, kind of when everyone was very restricted on what they could do and where they could go. And that's what it's like living with a chronic illness a lot of the time. I would say actually when you're at your worst, that's what life with chronic illness is like. And so it does start affecting your mood and it does start affecting your mental health. Now, I was able to kind of compensate for this during the warmer months, like during spring and summer, because I could get out. And although I was still alone, so that wasn't helped much in the social factor, it did help getting out of the house during those periods of time. Now, it does suck to be at home constantly all the time and not seeing other people, And now that I have a job where I have a lot of people around me, I not only deal with the public as well so that, you know, you kind of get your social interaction that way. It's a different type of social interaction, though, compared to like what a lot of young people are used to, which is like going out to bars and clubs and all of that. And I actually had not mentioned this in my notes, but going to those specific places with This particular chronic illness and IIH and migraines can be particularly not so great because you're dealing with a sensitization to often lights and sound at the same time. So I still don't like bars or really, really noisy environments. It can bring me a lot of pain even though I have not really dealt with the major symptoms for quite a while now. Like there's still underlying effects, I guess, but you know, any amount of symptoms that I do have are so minimal that it's not really noticeable, but it seems like those louder environments or really, really bright environments too can actually bring that on. So there are certain situations that some of us may be avoiding because it is a, what we call a trigger and it, could make the situation worse. Even on a good day, it can make the situation worse. The thing that I really appreciate these days is that when those people that make plans, I can actually generally have an idea of whether I'll be feeling well enough to go. And actually I have had some events happen or some things where I've had to make a commitment during my worst of times. And although there may be a little bit of a lower productivity, I've never had to miss out on an event thankfully, because of my medication. So this is part where my medication has been an absolute game changer for me. Now, I know that not everybody has the same response to things like Imavig, but I am so, so thankful for it because it has given me this freedom back that if I make a plan, I generally know that I can probably make it, and even during kind of those harder times of the month or, you know, sudden things come up like a change in water or whatever, it's not often something that's affected, which I'm forever thankful for. And it's not something where I feel like I'm going to need to worry that I'll be sick if I have something planned in the upcoming few days. It is so nice to go, oh yeah, I think I can make it to that. And, you know, the these events are so rare, like, they only happen a few times a year, that it's enough that it's not going to burn me out, basically. When someone with a chronic illness goes somewhere, it can take days to physically recover. When I go to an event being an introvert, it takes a few days to recover from that event. When I go to an an event being an introvert and having a chronic illness or underlying medical condition on top of that... It takes several days to recover. I don't know if you guys have seen this meme. I don't actually have it and put it on here, but if you've seen the meme with the girl on the bunch of pillows that goes, what happens after a good day? if you're on any type of chronic illness pages you've probably seen that meme and it's so accurate for like what happens after you go to an event like that you just feel so sore and so blah like the day after i had this event at the start of the december it was my work christmas party actually i think it took me two days to recover it, it felt like it felt like i was hungover. i don't know that i've ever been actually hungover from alcohol in my entire life because when i was old enough to actually Actually start consuming alcohol here. I was 19 and I was already gluten-free at that point so I didn't really get to experience much of that but if I had to picture what a hangover is like that was pretty close and actually it took me two days to recover from that. It was not just because I had been at a social event that is way out of my comfort zone but I was also dealing with the effects of having chronic illness on top of that and you get reminded when you go to an event like that and you're feeling okay most of the time it's like oh yeah I still have this thing even though it doesn't really feel like it most of the time because you're dealing with such that low background noise that you're like is it really still there and I'm able to function so well now that it's kind of a reminder to me that, oh yeah, it's still not perfect. I actually don't mind it some of the time because it is a reminder that things aren't perfect and it's almost like a a brake pedal on the... (laughs) on the acceleration on everything that I want to do so not only does this apply physically like I said this applies to an introvert socially as well so you guys may be wondering well how do I know if I'm an introvert or an extrovert you may not have thought about this before so I'm going to give you an example here of your you have a some type of an event let's say you have a wedding coming up and it's for you're going with a to a friend's family's wedding let's just say that you've agreed to accompany them maybe it's your date or maybe it's a really well-known partner and their partner has a family wedding so you're not really going to know anyone Or let's say for me, for an example, it was meditation retreat. Now, meditation retreat was a little bit different because of the silence aspect. It was very introvert friendly in that case. I knew I wasn't going to have to talk, which was a very, very welcoming thing. I mean, there was parts before and parts afterwards, but there was generally a... A thing of silence which was kind of nice because there wasn't that social pressure but anyways look let's say you have some type of conference or something coming up and do you tend to cringe at this whole thing and would just rather stay in your hotel room because of the pressure of the socialization or are you like yeah let's do this i can make so many new connections and whatever if you're more number one you're an introvert. If you're more number two, you're likely an extrovert. Now, I also want to add this point. Some of us may be pretty excited to go to some of these major events because they could be potentially life-changing. How do you feel afterwards? Are you feeling drained? Or are you feeling like, oh my goodness, I can't wait to do that again. If you're more number one, you're likely introverted, even if you're quite social when you're at the event. Or if you're number two, you're probably more extroverted. That's generally how you can tell. And it's more about the way you recover from these really crazy events that it m- determines more about how you actually are personality wise. And another good question you can ask yourself is Do I tend to want to stay home and maybe chill out watching videos? Or do I really, really want to go to a bar and hang out with people in person and all of that? And I kind of wish that you know ha- being that I'm gluten free I wish alcohol wasn't so much involved in that whole situation but it often is and it's just as hard because I just wonder how I would react in a situation without it, which was kind of nice, because at the retreat, it was an alcohol-free facility, so it was nice in that way. Didn't have that pressure either. I really, really like that place, actually. I think also being an introvert, we tend to have one or two or maybe even a handful of really, really close friends in our lives, and so it either should be family or friends, and I actually had this in the form of family that... You really need someone or even a couple of people that are really, really close to you that you can like call on a dime and be like, I'm going through this thing right now and I really need to talk about it without having the pressure of meeting a stranger that may be on the verge of giving you advice that you're not really interested in at that point. So people are really, really bad if they may be more of acquaintances, they're really, really trying their best to, I think, make a situation where they don't know what to say not so awkward, but they end up making it worse by either offering advice or whatever. And I've talked about this particular situation already on the channel, but you need that one person where you can just go to and vent to without the fear of getting that advice and maybe just have a listening ear. Now, I actually had this again in the form of family. You don't have that pressure Of being scared that you're gonna get advice when unsolicited advice when you don't want it. And I've talked about this and I've put this out more for kind of public awareness that it's okay if you honestly don't have the right words to say. People immediately wanna jump to advice because they wanna feel like they're helping you out. But most of the time when this happens, in particular, it just makes us scared to talk to anyone because the advice that we've often heard is either beyond ridiculous or we've already tried. I know that a lot of people want to offer advice because it's an awkward situation that you may not have the right words to express how you what you want to say or you're afraid you're going to say the wrong thing but by giving advice or sometimes saying the things that we often hear you're actually doing the things that you might be scared of doing you can tell by the way people react that they don't really know how to react and i think it's a huge overwhelming thing like to hear so this is what i often tell people when i tell them my story kind of just in general Oh, I was diagnosed with a rare condition called idiopathic intracranial hypertension in 2018. Not long after, I was diagnosed with migraines. It's been a heck of a ride. But, you know, things are improving and all of that. But I still deal with all of these things that I deal with. This is what I've went through. This is kind of whatever and kind of elaborate on that. You just kind of have that blank stare. Like the... like, And then you can tell because it takes people a minute to respond that they just they don't know how to respond and it's just like I'm just telling you this so that you're aware of it you don't need to give me a response I know it's kind of customary that you would respond to someone in a particular way but just acknowledge the fact that you're in the best way that you can that you're listening and you know all of that and it could open the door to a wonderful friendship if you respond in that way too because there isn't gonna be that pressure of oh this person isn't gonna just immediately jump to advice or how their best friend's mom got through chronic migraines with you know getting their wisdom teeth out or whatever like it's great if people have had the success with these other options that they have but It's not helpful for the person who is struggling in that particular case. If I'm telling my story, I tell my story in the way it has unfolded. But if I was to meet someone else, you know, maybe dealing with where I was back in the time of, let's say, April, May of 2019. I'm not going to tell them, oh, you should totally just get a prescription ask your doctor about Amovig and all of this would be better. I don't know that for sure. They may be one of the people who don't respond to that particular medication, whatever insert, whatever medication worked for whoever else. I just use that because that's the particular example that I have because that's my story. And like I said, I was giving an example of my story. So, you know, things, this kind of comes into the fact too of, some people may not take specific advice very well and you know when you're struggling you often just want people to understand and know your story that's why i have this channel Feel free to leave in the comments your own story. I love reading through people's stories. I really do, guys. If you guys ever want to, you can send me your stories via email as well. My email is on my YouTube channel. I love hearing people's stories because we're all so unique. We're all so individual. Not only with the diagnosis process, but we're individual with whether we're more introverted and extroverted and how that affects you. Another thing I would love to hear is from those of you who are more extroverted and you know what's it like trying to manage this, particularly the isolation that comes with the fact that you probably do tend to retreat on into the inner self or I don't even like using that term after being on this whole awakening thing, but you retreat inwardly, I guess, is maybe a better way to word that with how maybe you are when you're sick or how do you manage that socialized isolation because it's not something that for me as being as introverted as I am I really understand I understand it to a certain degree because it did get to a certain point where it was a struggle to get the amount of social interaction that I felt I needed to be happy so I did get to that point I know what that's like but as far as what it's like for an actual extrovert. I'd love to, I'd love to hear your stories in the comments of, you know, how you've dealt with this particular issue because it could probably by sharing your story you could maybe help someone else. Let me know the answers to those questions in the comments down below or wherever you happen to be viewing this. I just wanna say thank you for an, an absolutely incredible year this year. I shared a photo of my YouTube creator snapshot and I just wanna say thank you for all your support. For those of you who are my supporters on Locals, thank you for committing to the channel in an extra and above way. Many of you guys have either met me because you're a part of our other community on Locals with with Z, but I just want to say thank you for all of your support in 2022, and I am really looking forward to what comes with these live streams and the short video content in 2023, I think the channel is going to do a lot better. And the weekend after New Year's, I will resume doing my videos. I always, almost always take a two-week vacation at Christmas and New Year's. I did this for myself because it was like my vacation when I was doing only my video content and was working quite vigorously actually during that period in the channel. But... Because now I'm working in the environment that I am in. I want to have all my energy for that. And I also just want to be able to give myself the time with my family when I do have my days off. That is why I often do take a break at Christmas and New Year's. But I think it's just a good time to take a break in general. It's it's good to take breaks from doing this. And it allows your creativity to flow even better when you come back. I'm hoping that actually in the new year, if... I'm not able to do a stream on, let's say, a Sunday. It'll be Sundays all the time now because I'm guaranteed every Sunday off. But it will be sometimes maybe I'll move the stream to a day during the week or maybe have to change it to an afternoon in the middle of the week. We'll see. But I'm hoping that I can be a little bit more consistent with these weekly lives because I absolutely love doing this, even though I'm not really getting anybody in the live chat yet i'm sure and i'm hoping that that changes with time as the live stream becomes something that people get accustomed to i really do want to focus on live streaming in 2023 if you want to find me off of particularly youtube you can do so on instagram at awareness with ashley on facebook ashley stewart same as my channel twitter ashley stewart 94 tiktok is awareness with ashley or if you want to have some more fun without migraines or iih in the conversation at all you can follow me at ashley enjoys music and you can also come to locals my locals page is linked in the description ashleystuart.locals.com and that's where you can support me just like on patreon and you get access to community and you can make your own posts and eventually if we happen to grow that enough we'll start doing supporters only live streams over there that's it for me for 2022 and i hope you guys have enjoyed this particular stream i'll see you in the new year happy new year merry christmas everyone if you enjoyed this podcast please consider subscribing and leaving a review on your favorite podcasting app it really helps get the show out there hope to see you again next week for our next episode bye everyone